0: Blue Wire. Think about Lawrence, fires to the end zone, touchdown, Alabama wins. Elliot. dodges the eye of this national championship win.
1: A deep throw by
0: Lawrence, a lot of contact. Justin Ross broke free from it, he's done.
1: Welcome into episode 145 of Press Pass. Kayla Anderson here alongside Joshua Perry. And yes, don't get mad at us. We took last week off. It was a bye week for Kayla Anderson, Joshua Perry's podcast because we get really busy and sometimes we try to make it work and it just didn't work. We were both traveling that weekend and we said, you know what? Let's just make it our official bye week. Right, Joshua?
0: That's exactly what happened. Probably a little bit more my fault than yours. But uh, we we needed to regroup. We needed to do a little self-scout and evaluate yeah. and see what we could change up going into the stretch run.
1: Exactly. We're just like a team, guys. I mean, except we're we're the broadcasters. So yeah. That's the only <laughs> difference. Yeah. So since we did miss last week in the college football playoff rankings, the first college football playoff rankings of the year came out. Really quickly, and I know that they're going to change this week, and we record this podcast right before they come out. So I wanted to ask you about the initial uh, college football, football uh, playoff rankings, Joshua, and what you thought about specifically the top four and then maybe Cincinnati getting snubbed.
0: Yeah, they messed it up. I think that they they messed the whole thing up. Um, and I think I have to start with Cincinnati to explain this, but to me, and I know people point to their resume and say, well, what have they done? But Cincinnati is an undefeated team. They have a win over a top 10 Notre Dame, which is a better win than a couple of the teams in front of them can say that they have. Mm -hmm. And even though they've struggled with some of their competition, I, you could point directly to Oregon. Like, they have struggled with some teams in the Pac-12 that are not very good football teams, and they lost to a football team that is not a very good football team, something Cincinnati has not done. And so the committee basically said that in Cincinnati's case, you have to earn your way in instead of playing your way out of it, which I totally, totally disagree with. Yeah. I think it's bad. They got a better win than anything Ohio State has on their resume. They haven't lost, which Oregon has. Like, I... I mean, it's bad for me. Um, Alabama is a very interesting case. And I think this is where I get mad about them being at number two. It's two reasons. It's number one. Like, did it even matter that they lost? Yeah. Seriously.
1: Yeah, you're right.
0: Did it even freaking matter? Like a Bolivian? No, seriously, because when this came out, Michigan State, which was at three, and they've since lost, but they were behind them. We talked about Cincinnati. You had Oklahoma behind them. Wake lost, but Wake was behind them. Like It didn't yeah. matter that Cincinnati lost. They always got the benefit of the doubt, even before some teams that were undefeated up to that point would get the benefit of the doubt. So that really bothered me for that reason. And then the other reason is – this is a problem I have with the committee – is they basically get to pick and choose, and not a lot of people really pay attention – to what's going on after like the top 10, but where they insert teams in 11 through 25 is important because when they have to defend their choice, they'll say, well, Alabama has X number of wins versus top 25 teams. Oh, you mean like Mississippi state who before when this ranking originally came out, their resume was worse than Penn state's and Penn state's not even ranked. Is that what you're telling me? Like, that's where I have an issue with the way the committee does this. And then finally, I will say the one thing that I think they got right is putting okay. Oregon ahead of Ohio State. Okay. And the reason I believe that is because it's too early to talk about eye test. I think that Ohio State has every opportunity to prove whether it is one of the four best teams between playing Purdue, Michigan State, Michigan, and a conference championship. Oregon, on the other hand, has every reason to prove to us whether they're a top four team or not. Because they ain't got nobody left, so they should be able to steamroll through this with without any type of hiccup. So I think they did that right is about the only damn thing they did right.
1: Yeah, and I'll again bring in my opinion about the whole situation with the PAC 12. I almost think the committee did this in terms of yes i do feel like when you look at the head to head and Oregon did beat ohio state regardless if it was at the start of the season and ohio state may not have been rolling yet may not have had everything in place yet but you can't really you can't really do that when it comes to you know putting out these rankings you really have to go with who won at that point head to head
0: it's too early for the the yes, to throw that is. out
1: it is but i will say this i think this is the committee's way of saying, okay, Pac 12, we're giving you a chance mm-hmm. to be in this college football playoff. Mm-hmm. We're putting Oregon in this fourth spot. It's their spot to lose moving forward. And I know that you look at that schedule and you say, oh, it's a clean sweep. Listen, they had some trouble with Washington this week, this past weekend. They've got my alma mater coming up. And I will say this. This is a game while it is in Eugene, Washington state has a way with having a couple of upsets this season. And when it comes to Oregon, they've had a way in the past of having to, they've upset Oregon. And it's yes. been a weird situation. They Oregon also, I believe has Utah left on a schedule, which I know it's not, you know, it's not the Utah that it was supposed to be, but it right. is, it is a Utah team that's going to play in Utah. So let me,
0: let me give you some scores from yeah. some Oregon games from early yeah. on this year. So their opener, they beat Fresno state 31 to 24. So that's a, a one possession game. they obviously beat Ohio state in a one possession game. Then they played Stony Brook and they blew them out the water. Yeah. Played Arizona who had just, they literally just snapped the 20 game winning streak so and they, they blew them out of the water, but then they lost to Stanford. Yeah. And then they played Cal and they beat Cal. 24-17, that's a one-possession game. And Correct. then they beat UCLA, 34-31. to 31. That's a one-possession game. They beat yeah. Colorado, which I don't think very highly of. And then they got into a 10-point game with Washington. Like These have not been dominant games. And so I think there's time to let this play out.
1: Yeah. It, it, and, and you're exactly right. And that's why I think, again, the committee put them there because this is the Pac-12's chance to be in the college football playoff potentially this season. And as much as I want a representative from the Pac-12, I'm just going to sit back and wait and see how it plays out because I just don't get my hopes up when it comes to Oregon. It, they've disappointed every time, time in the past. So, you know, it's one of those things where you, you, like you were saying, you just sit back and wait to see how it plays out. But I do thought, it, I think it was interesting that they did kind of put them in that position for them to have you know it's their it's their spot to lose essentially joshua yes
0: and and i like i said i think it's the right way to go about it this this all sorts itself out eventually um but i think if you were an oregon fan and ohio state would have been at four and oregon would have been at five they would have had a lot of reasons to be really mad about that
1: so really quickly because again the college football playoff rankings for this week will come out after we record this so With everything that happened this past weekend, Joshua, and clearly Michigan State going down to Purdue, what do you think this college football playoff ranking is going to look like this week?
0: Yep, so it'll be Georgia one, Alabama two, which again, Alabama, they struggled over the weekend. Mm -hmm. Um, You put Oregon in there at three. Okay. Um, You put Ohio State at four. Okay. Cincinnati will slide up. I think they probably drop Michigan State down in the Cincinnati spot there at 6. Michigan will hold steady at 7. Oklahoma didn't play so they'll remain at 8. Notre Dame moves up to 9. Oklahoma State in there finishing off the top 10.
1: Okay. Yeah, I think that's about how it's going to go too. And so I I just feel like there's so there's more interesting matchups here down the stretch and I do think that they're could be some mixing up of the top four, continuing on. So that'll be fun to watch. The only one that we can really say right now, at least, with how they've performed consistently is Georgia. Like, you just Georgia. don't see Georgia, right? Like, you just don't see them slipping at this point.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's been a hell of a year, so I, yeah. I can't say that. But I can mm-hmm. say that. Like, yeah. if, if there is one team that is unlikely to slip up, it's Georgia. It's
1: Georgia, so let's move on to an interesting situation uh, this past weekend with Dan Mullen and the Florida Gators, huh. Joshua. My goodness. I mean, we went from talking about Dan Mullen and, and the, the job that he was doing there. I mean, it, it one year after winning the SEC East, essentially, yep. they're four and five on the season. And yep. they just lost to a South Carolina team 40 to 17. Sure. With a quarterback that they pretty much, like, pretty much were digging out of the last thing that they could dig out of to get a quarterback on their ride. I mean, it is mind blowing to me what is happening with the Gators. I mean, when you look at this team, Joshua, what is wrong with Dan Mullen in terms of going backwards this season?
0: Yeah, I think it, from from people in the know, He's always been hard to like, and he's always been a big ego guy. Yeah. And I think it's all starting to come to a head for him. I think his personality is really starting to rub people the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the ego has made him stubborn in a lot of things that have gone wrong. Um, I, he in The the recruiting comment he made it was taken out of context, but I think it's been pretty clear that he doesn't really have a desire to recruit like everybody else yeah. in the SEC. Um and I also think that he was really flirting hard with the NFL and realized that his prospects there probably weren't as good as what he anticipated. And that's hurt him a little bit.
1: Yeah. No, you're right. And so t- this week, he actually did decide to kind of mix things up a little bit. He did- I don't
0: think that was his decision. I think somebody okay. told him, you're going to make some changes or, your ass is or you're be on the out street. of
1: here. And yeah. you're right. And so he did part ways with his defensive coordinator and offensive line coach. So.
0: He and was with like, that offensive line coach for twenty years. By yes, the way,
1: yes, I was just going to say these are like his guys.
0: Yep, he and was so, with Grantham at, at Mississippi State, yep, and yep, then um, and then the offensive line coach was on Urban's staff at Bowling Green.
1: Oh um, wow!
0: And that's where that's where they first linked up. Dan Mullen was coaching, I think quarterbacks there um, with Urban, and I don't know if he was coaching offensive line or not, but they've been together for that long.
1: And so. In my eyes and you're exactly right joshua i obviously it was not his decision it was florida saying look hey dan guess what you better make some changes now or you're out the door and honestly i was talking about this after this loss and i said i think they're pretty close to being like you're gone and this is the first step and if things don't improve um, I don't think he finishes out the season. And if he does, I don't know if he's here next year.
0: So. Yeah. so this is the situation that I see is if they miss a bowl game, he's 100% done. If they get embarrassed again, like this, he's hundred percent done. Um, like he would have to win out. I think he would have to have maybe a couple of impressive wins on there. Mm-hmm. I think it'd have to be a bowl win type situation. I, I think the patience has really run thin Yeah. The situation there. Um, and I, I totally get it.
1: So I did want to go back to the big 10 really quick. And I don't know. What is it about this Purdue boilers maker team that just wants to, to create upsets this season? Is it, is it them or is it the opponent that comes in that just isn't taking them seriously?
0: It's them. It's 100%. them. Wow. Um, Wow. Yeah, I, I think that they are impressive um, on both sides of the ball. I think that they have a defensive lineman who you can make an argument is the best defensive player in the Big Ten Conference and George Karloftis. Mm-hmm. And the stats wouldn't reflect that. Like if you were just looking at a stat sheet, you couldn't say that. But if you watch the football games, the effect that he has on the games is immense. And, and teams devote many, many, many resources to trying to block that guy. Um, <laughs> but their whole defense is a lot better than what it's been in the past. And then offensively, they got a kid who started off his career as a walk-on, slinging the ball around, who is accurate, he's confident, he's got different tempos to deliver the football. He understands defensive football, so he 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 understands how to attack coverages. Um he's really good. They have a good scheme that um that I think plays well with the athletes that they have. And which is a handful of wide receivers who are really good. Everybody's probably heard the name David Bell by now. Yeah. And he had a really good game against Michigan State, went for over 200 yards receiving. But they got a couple other guys, Milton Wright, Jackson Anthrop, um, Brock Thompson, who are really good wide receivers. They make you defend every part of the field vertically and horizontally, which is tough. Um, it, I mean, it's they're, they're doing everything. And then they got a, a coach who knows how to call offense. Like the yeah. dude is – he is very, 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 very smart and very intuitive. So um, they got some losses on there that don't look great. But, I mean, you, you think about some of the performances that they've had against teams they shouldn't have beaten. It's been impressive.
1: So guess who is playing them next?
0: The oh, Buckeyes.
1: Oh, boy. So I'm sure that you've done a lot of looking into this matchup. Does it worry you at all?
0: Yeah, it does. Okay. And here's how it worries me is the offensive line has had their struggles in the last couple of games. Yeah. So I don't know how, how, what their plan is to block George Karloftis, but they better have a good one. And then the the defense has improved. They're a good, Ohio State's got a really good run defense at this point. I think the, the, the back seven, the pass defense still has a lot of lingering questions for me and Purdue doesn't even try to run the ball. Like they run it just so they give the illusion of running the football. They <laughs> they throw screens really as an extension of their run game. Like when they throw a screen that's really them running the football and then they 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 pass the ball. It's on their quarterback had 536 yards passing. Um and so I I'm curious how Ohio State wants to defend the pass game. Yeah. Um and it's 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 really unique because Ohio State I think still is lacking in a four-man pass rush like they have to blitz to get home yeah. um and that's going to put their back end in a bind against a really good passing offense if they feel like they got to add ex- extra guys into the pass rush um and then the tackling against Nebraska on a couple of their big plays made me want to throw up at times so I'll be curious
1: speaking of Nebraska what uh, are your thoughts on Nebraska pretty much excuse me, retaining Scott Frost with a restructured contract, even though they have, you know, parted ways with some of the offensive staff. I mean, is this the right move, Joshua? Because we talked about this coming into the season, that this was one of those things where Scott Frost has just not done enough up to this point. Do you think this is the right move for the Huskers?
0: Yeah, I, I went back and forth on it. I actually yeah. did a uh, a radio hit this morning, and I was asked, should Scott Frost stay? And my answer was yes. And uh-huh. here's the reason why it's, it's multiple reasons, but basically it comes down to this is I'm not exactly sure who they're going to go out there and get yeah. that is going to be a splash hire. Oh. They would be willing to pay money, but it's just not all that attractive of a job. It's, it's a recruiting really? outpost. It is a program with high expectations that probably won't achieve what they've been in the past. Like it's a difficult place. Scott loves being there. He played there. You can tell that he really enjoys being the coach of Nebraska. He's made that abundantly clear, but this is what stands out to me. And I think this is what, what tipped the scales for me is Nebraska has lost to four top 10 opponents by a combined 22 points. Their guys are playing hard as hell.
1: That's true. And that's a good stat.
0: If they felt like their coach wasn't the guy they wouldn't be playing that damn hard for him. Their quarterback was out there playing with a high ankle sprain and a broken jaw. Jeez. Jeez. I wouldn't be doing that if oh. I didn't like the guy who was coaching me. I, yeah. I'd be a big middle finger. Now if, college game, if you were want me to, you want me to play uh, for a coach that I don't like. And I got a broken jaw. Absolutely not. But he's committed to that. And I feel like that's a commitment to his coach. That tipped the scales for me.
1: Well, and here's the other thing too. And we've, we brought this up so many times with the coaching carousel each and every year, it seems to just spin harder and harder. And so we start to, to ask ourselves, are we giving these coaches enough time? Are we really giving these coaches time to build a program to get the right guys in? And I think we've looked at it and said, oh, two years is enough. Oh, three years is enough. Well, is it? I, I, you know, so in these situations, too, when they're you bring up it's hard to recruit there, it's not the Nebraska that it was years and years ago. So maybe some of these coaches, you've got to give them a little more time just to to do their thing. And so you bring up some valid points. And I know people have their opinions on, you know, whether or not that was a good idea or not. But I value yours because you're there, you see it. You brought up some great points about the players believing in it. So Yeah,
0: I mean, it, you know, there are going to be a lot of people who think that four years is more than enough. And, and this year has been a regression in terms of wins and losses. But I, I think that there are enough factors, yeah. especially on a restructured contract, that you can feel confident retaining him.
1: Let's look forward to some of this weekend's matchups. Look, I will say this. I feel like every time that we – like talk about next week's matchups, right? Don't you feel like there's not a lot of great games week in and week out? Like there's a couple good ones on the slate, yeah. but and I don't the, yeah
0: until that. they actually yeah. play the games and then something crazy happens.
1: Well, and that's true, and I <laughs> and I'm not saying that. I I guess what I'm saying is just like the actual. Matchups that you know you look at the schedule and like oh this is going to be a good one because it's two ranked opponents or this is good you know yeah it's not a lot of those but you're right we have gone into the weekend and we just have crazy stuff happening day in and day out but I do look at we've already talked about Ohio State Purdue another Big Ten matchup happening this weekend is Michigan and Penn State how yeah. how does this one play out these are two teams that I just there's just been so much. And more so in terms of Penn State and, and its ups and downs. I mean, Michigan, for the most part, had been consistent up until that Michigan State game. But how do you see this one going?
0: This is a big game yeah. if you're Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, for Penn State, it's big because their season has absolutely not gone how they want it to. But if you're Michigan and, and the season has gone well up to the point where you played your rival – this is another one of those games that Michigan has had trouble with under Jim Harbaugh. Yeah. And you want to still be in position as a one loss team. And now the team that you beat has just lost um, that you can control the, the fact that you only have one loss. So you can be in position, to do something special. You know, if you went out, you beat Ohio state, there's some, all kinds of crazy tiebreakers that are going to have to happen in the East. I don't know exactly who gets it, but, they, they, they become in that conversation and then you can be, um, you know, even if they're not a conference champ, you're a one loss Michigan that sounds yeah. attractive to the committee, right? Okay. So this is big for them yeah. in order to just make sure that they're on track with everything. The last thing that you want to have happen if you're Michigan is this year you end up going nine and three and your only three losses are Michigan State, Penn State and Ohio State. That would be miserable.
1: Yeah, no, it is a big one. And and I'm interested to see how it plays out. Uh, I'm clearly going to be keeping my eye on that Ohio State game as well. Down here in the South, I will say this. Look, Georgia, we all know that this is the best team in the country. They haven't Mm -hmm. done anything to prove that they're not the best team in the country. But when you look at this game, I'm just interested to see how Tennessee plays, how tough they play, this Georgia team, just for the fact that Tennessee's offense is coming along quite well and Tennessee's offense under Josh Heupel is really starting to bloom and they have played some really good games and some really good teams close. Like in terms of Alabama, I know that maybe it's not the Alabama of last year, but it's still Alabama and Tennessee kept that a game a couple weeks ago up until the fourth quarter for the most part. And I just am interested to see how maybe Tennessee's offense that that fast tempo, can maybe challenge Georgia. I'm not saying Tennessee's going to win. That's not what I'm saying. But I think it'll be an interesting test to see just moving forward. Is this Tennessee team really going to start to be for real in the future um, if it continues to, to do what it does?
0: So you think Tennessee, if they're going to be successful, that tempo offense has to be on point. Um, defensively, what can they provide? that would give Georgia issues? Like, what are they best at on defense?
1: Yeah, and that's the one thing that I would say you you don't know as much about with this Tennessee team because that's one thing when you look down their schedule and you've looked at their games. They've had a much better defense than predicted this season, but it's one of those things where they're still implementing a lot. Mm. Um, I, I think the secondary is – more improved than what we thought it would be. Um, and I think overall, though, it's not going to be able to probably challenge this Georgia offense. It's not great, but it's proven to be okay with Stetson Bennett um, sure. and and its other pieces. So, yeah, that's the one thing. If Tennessee had a little bit, I guess, better defense and more I guess uh, groomed defense because it is still just very new under Josh Heupel then I would say they could really give it a test but you're you're right about that I I don't know if if that would be something that they're really going to be able to test them but I am interested to see if they could put some points up on this Georgia defense
0: that will be interesting because points have been hard to come by um and and if you can make georgia a little bit left-handed just by forcing the offense maybe to have to keep up more so than it's had to in mm-hmm. these games that could be a little bit of a uh a little bit of a deal there
1: yeah it's always just fun too to see like progression of a team and i know my five seasons here covering sports Clearly, Tennessee is, is, is what we cover in terms of football, along with Vandy. And it's been an absolute disaster, right, Joshua? So watching the progress this year, and there has been a lot of progress, it's really encouraging. And I know Kentucky had been on a bit of a downhill spiral, but that's nothing to take away from Tennessee and what they did and going up there last, last week um, and really putting on a show. For so sure. pretty cool. Um, well, that will do it for this episode of Press Pass. We appreciate you guys letting us have a bye week last week. Sometimes we just need rest, just like teams. You know, we got we to gotta rest those injuries, Joshua. Uh, where can they go to find you on social media?
0: You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at RIP underscore JEP
1: awesome you can find me at Kayla Anderson TV I'm covering uh yeah pretty much the best team in the AFC this year the Tennessee Titans so far not gonna brag or anything but if you want to follow me for college football and NFL I got you covered all right that does it for this episode of press fast Joshua we always appreciate you and have a great weekend of coverage in the big 10 as for all of you out there enjoy another great weekend of college football take care